Hello everyone and welcome to the Artistic Futures podcast. My name is Marie and in this series I will be meeting a range of people who work in opera and are keen to share their passion with the next generation. From singers to conductors, directors to composers, you will get an insight into how a range of artists built on their careers, turning what they enjoyed doing and were good at into a profession. It will also be full of useful tips and advice for those of you who would be tempted to give it a go. So, let's get started. In this episode, I spoke to Opera North principal bassoonist Adam McKenzie. Unfortunately, we couldn't meet in person, but thanks to technology, we managed to have a chat online instead. Adam joined Opera North in 2017 after years of working as a freelance musician. Adam studied at the Guildhall School of Music and Drama in London before furthering his studies in Milan and Hanover. He is passionate about contemporary music and has a particular interest in the use of improvisation in composition. This has led him to take a serious involvement in music education as well. In 2021, he became the head of instrumental learning as part of the education team at Opera North. Hello! Oops! Hi. Recording in progress. Right. So thank you so much for being with me today, even though we are on Zoom. I was wondering where your passion for classical music comes from uh, and whether maybe you came from a musical family. I, I, I don't come from a very musical family, actually. My um, my mum could have been musical, but she, she never really had the opportunity. I think she could have been very talented. For me, my parents just let me do what I wanted really and if something caught my eye um I I went for it and the big story that I that I've told to a few people in the past is that um I I I went through my dad's CD collection and I was uh, I was looking for something fun to listen to and uh, I saw this um this album cover with the uh, Christ on the cross and all these demons reaching up to him and uh, and it looked really hardcore and um and it said Mahler resurrection on the front and i thought this is this is heavy metal and I, and i put it on and um and it was the cbso simon rattle recording 25 minutes later the first movement ended and i and i hadn't turned it off and from there on in i realized that i loved this so old um, were you when you listened to that cd i guess i was 11 okay cool yeah um there wasn't a lot to do in the highlands so that's that was the kind of thing that i did i got completely immersed in it and I, then i went to school and i tried the clarinet and i was appalling at it so they said well why don't you have a go at this thing in the cupboard it's a bassoon and uh, and all of a sudden i found i found that i could play the thing and, yeah so it's, uh, a, it's a bit it's a bit of luck that you started on that instrument it's not especially an instrument that people straight away go to like the violin or piano isn't it no i mean it was total luck um they had an instrument in the school for a start in the secondary school in the highlands i mean that's great uh, and, and and it was a state school as well nothing special there were free music lessons so what was what was really different about now as opposed to then is that all the music tuition was completely free and you didn't have to 
you didn't have to commit to much. You just turned up and you gave it a go. And if you wanted to run with it, you could. Whereas these days, it's not like that. But I started playing the bassoon. I, I joined the school orchestra. And then I joined the Highland Regional Youth Orchestra, which, which was where I really met all of my friends. I didn't really feel like I belonged anywhere in school until I, I until I met met people from this youth orchestra. And then they were they were my friends. And I really realized I relished going there every holiday and um and I, I I sort of progressed really really quickly on it. I was I, I'd done my grade eight in a couple of years because I just really loved it. When did you realize that you wanted to become a professional musician and do it as a career? Was that quite early on as well? No, that was it was an option for a long time. I actually worked every Saturday and sometimes after school at a vet, and uh, I really wanted to be a vet. I used to assist in minor operations, uh, some major ones, actually. One, a, a really exciting moment was um, a caesarean section on a cow, um, which uh, which was incredible, trying to stuff its guts back into its ribcage before it all fell out. And then, and then out comes this amazing calf. And, uh, and that sort of experience made me realise that actually I, I quite like to do that. But in the end, when it came down to where I chosen that my lifestyle I I wanted to go to London yeah. um the bright lights kind of called um from a village of 2,000 people in the Highlands to London so I ended up doing that and that was around about six I suppose you'd call it sixth form yeah so so you went to the Guildhall School of Music and Drama isn't it in London yes. um and and how was that for you do, do you feel that it equipped you with the skills you needed to embark on a career Hmm. That's an interesting question. I mean, um, yes and no. I, I, it really, I had an amazing teacher, a man called Merrick Alexander. Um, and so I, so I learned how to play the bassoon, no doubt about that. But I was, I was pretty arrogant, to be honest with you. And um, I thought the world owed me everything. And, um, and nobody told me otherwise. Um, until quite a lot later on when I'd had quite a lot of failure. And um, and so I left college thinking I was the bee's knees, really, and that I was just going to walk into a job. And that didn't happen. Um, and that was quite hard. That was quite a bitter pill to swallow, actually, for quite a long mm -hmm. time. Um, and uh, I, I sort of began to resent it a little bit. It's it quite a hard thing. I mean, what Guildhall did do was make me good at playing the bassoon. What it didn't do so well was um, prepare me for what it would be like as a freelancer. Before you started working here at Opera North as a permanent member of the orchestra, you, you had a long career as a freelancer. I, I was just wondering what that had been like. And yeah, for, for people who are listening to us who are either studying in conservatoire or thinking of studying uh, music, it's a good thing to hear from a musician what, what being a freelancer has been like. Because most musicians really are freelance there are very limited places in all in orchestras yeah i'm so i'm principal bassoon in opera north but i i'm also head of instrumental learning in opera north that's been a really long journey uh, it's been an, an amazing journey but it's also been extreme extremely hard there's been some really high points and there's been some very very low points freelancing's both re the most amazing rewarding job you can ever come across when it's going well and also a complete nightmare 
But that being said, if I wasn't, if I hadn't been a freelancer for such a long time, I don't think I would have got my job as instrumental learning head. I, I managed to have quite a diverse portfolio from very early on, even whilst I was still in college, I ended up acting as a workshop musician, but started off with the Philharmonia because my chamber, the chamber group that I was in won a prize. And, and we went in doing workshops with people like Tim Steiner and Paul Griffiths. And, um, and the, the, the amount that you learn from those guys uh, in uh, sort of group composition and sitting on a groove and improvising. I mean, it's just incredible, really. And leadership skills generally in that kind of situation. So that stood me in really good stead. And it became quite a large part of my career. I didn't ever pursue it. Um, It just landed in my lap. And, um, you know, if you do that stuff for 10 years, um, something's going to rub off. So I, so I I ended up learning that way, really. And, and I, and I love that kind of work. One of the one of my sort of highlights with that is um, working with um, Peter Weigold and Club Inigal and uh, doing an improvised version of Purcell's King Arthur. It was amazing. And I was I was playing contra as well. It was fantastic. But then there was the other facet to it as well. So because I wasn't in a job, I I, I ended up firstly doing a lot of guest principal work, which was brilliant. Worked with a, a lot of different orchestras and. A, um, but I was on trial for a lot of different orchestras as well, which meant that I actually didn't get a lot of jobs. And it's really hard to get all the way to the end and think, this is it, this is it, this is where my life takes off. Can you explain a little bit how uh, a trial works for an orchestra player? Yeah, sure. So you have an audition. And then after that, you get offered a period of work with the, the orchestra that you've applied for. That can go on for months years weeks one day you don't know until um until you get the call to say it's either over or it's been completed and you've got the job i've been on trial for some places for over a year and and then not not got the job yeah that's a very long time to wait to hear isn't it it's It's a really long time and um and your life's kind of on hold until until that decision's made getting that call and getting that rejection for me it was about 15 times you know i'm i'm making that number up but it was something like that you know that 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 was a bit of a knife in the heart every time to be honest with you but it did give me loads of incredible opportunities like with the cbso in spain and going to vienna with the lso and you know it was you know amazing times to go around the place the other great thing about being a freelancer is that you end up having um the opportunity to do things that you can't do necessarily in a in an orchestra um so i i went on a tour for five weeks around india with india's greatest sarod player um, amjad ali khan and uh, had an, the most incredible experience of my life took part in lots of projects with the or- the heritage orchestra playing um ibiza classics to thirty thousand people and that incredible experiences with really yeah. great friends and I, you wouldn't get that kind of opportunity also chamber music i did a lot of chamber music while i was a freelancer and um there's no time in my schedule to do that sort of thing as much now so what what has it been like um, being part of the orchestra of far north for the last is it four or five years i i mean it's a uh, I would never ever go back. Uh, there's there's no there's no comparison. 
firstly, there's that feeling of security that I have working with colleagues that trust you and, you know, they're, they're always rooting for you and they want you to succeed and, and you want them to succeed. There's an amazing um, atmosphere, particularly in the wind section for, for me. I think it's it's really wonderful. Playing opera repertoire as well, it makes me feel like I've got a, a completely new job because I had never played any opera until I got the job in Opera North. That's really interesting. And that was one of my question, actually. What's the difference uh, between playing in an orchestral concert and then playing for an opera? Is there, is there a difference in the way you approach the work? Um, yeah, maybe. I mean, I think lots of musicians, especially opera, orchestra musicians will say it's a very different thing and you have to have experience in an opera orchestra to be able to do it very well and maybe that's true um i don't necessarily agree with that i think it's music and i think um putting your ears out on stocks and listening um and playing is uh, is is where it's at really um regardless of whether you're on a platform or or whether you're in a pit I, i love playing in the pit um it can be quite loud but that's part of sometimes part of the enjoyment of it there's nothing like sitting next to some crazy bells um in madame butterfly and feeling like your head's about to fall off the biggest thing for me that's that the, the difference is that i find opera to be a much more complete artistic experience whereas if you sit on stage and play vorjak 9 it's an amazing piece of music i love it it feels one dimensional to me in comparison to the narrative of opera and the um, the textural facets that the human voice creates and the way that we can respond as instrumentalists to that. That's my take on it. I know that not everybody agrees. My, my colleague, Dave, who also plays bassoon in the orchestra, he wholeheartedly disagrees with me on that. He thinks that all music can be great, but maybe it's just my, the time of my life. Um, I've just got this I've got this hankering for opera all the time and uh, and nothing else will do, really. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask you if you had a, a favourite piece of music that you've played or a favourite opera you've been part of. I mean, my, uh, well, I'm going to sort of uh, contradict myself a little bit now, although it does have voices in it. Um, Daphnis and Chloe, that's one of my favourite pieces of music. In fact, I was listening to it on a marathon that I was doing not that long ago, half the way around, I realized that I didn't just want to complete it anymore. I wanted to really run it and compete it. So I put on Daphnis and Chloe and started to immerse myself into it. And uh, it, was, it turned out to be a sort of fairly bad move because it got to a couple of moments in Daphnis and Chloe and I found myself stopping with tears streaming down my face. And, and, uh, and actually, actually um, and, and it just happened out of nowhere. I mean, I think probably it's because I was exhausted. And I was feeling a bit emotional, but I, but I do have an emotional reaction to that. Um, Duke Bluebeard's Castle is another. We did it a few years ago on stage, and uh, um, I'd love to do it in the pit. I remember seeing it in the Royal Opera House, and they did Bluebeard's Castle with Willard White, who has just been singing with us um, and singing with us now, actually in Rigoletto. It was with Willard White. It was absolutely amazing, and um, I went to. The, the Italian restaurant across the road from the opera house um, after the performance, and there was Willard White, and I got him to sign my program. <laughs> I was such a geek. <laughs> I love that.
Was that okay that first half? Yeah. Uh, is it going well for you? Are you happy? So you you already mentioned the fact that you you've worked on some improvisation and and I've read in your biography you have a particular interest in contemporary music and improvisation and I know that the work that you do as an educator takes on quite a bit of that improvisation aspects and I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit more about it and and also tell me why you think that improvisation is a good tool to um, get young people involved in music. Mm. Um, yeah, it's sort of where I've come from, actually, um, improvising and composition through that. Working with, like I said before, working with some of the real experts in it, 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 it really captured my imagination and, and I loved the work and I loved working with diverse groups of people um, from all backgrounds, generally with that kind of short project work. You go to places that have high levels of deprivation. You go to um, places that, that really need it. And, um, and so working with people who haven't necessarily ever played musical instruments is, has, has always been something that I'm really excited by and interested in. Improvisation in learning is a great leveler. You, you don't have to be particularly adept at an instrument to be able to have great ideas and it's through that process of exploring what you've got and who's in the room that you can write some really interesting music but more than that the participants feel like they've really got ownership over what they have produced and and they feel a pride in it. And from there on in, um, on short projects like that, you hope that that hopefully their variation has been has been enough that they that they go and choose a musical instrument and maybe they get some support to go and do that. That's happened quite a few times on projects that I've been on. More than anything, improvisation and composition in uh, in a in a regular setting. I think can be extremely beneficial. It, it is a, an amazing leveler, and um, I think it should be part of every session that we do, really, in some way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very interesting. Do you feel that the, the work you've been doing as an educator has really complemented your career as a, an orchestra musician as well? Definitely. I, I like to imagine that if you were to have a piece of Bach. I like a, a cello suite. I play the cello suites on the bassoon quite a bit. The skeleton of the music is there. The bare bones of it is already in existence. And you can't change that. You don't want to change that. That's, it's there. And I think, I think that's the same for all classical music. We can't change the notes. But what we can do is improvise around how we play the notes. Um, we, can, we can choose which direction we want to go in which what what kind of speeds we want to go into different phrases we can choose different articulations that complement the the phrase structure choose where we're breathing um you know everything that makes a performance exciting and uh, and slightly different to the last one that i i learned that from doing this um, composition projects and improvisation and feeling comfortable with that 
I did um, a really excellent course at, at Guildhall, actually, um, with a man called David Dolan, who's a, a keyboard player. Um, and it was improvising classical form. So um, actually, you would improvise a sonata form or a prelude um, or a minuet and trio um, and, and have quite rigid key structures. And that was really useful, too. And understanding the structure of these things before you um, play them really helps. But mostly, I would say it's about how you can respond to the, to the music that's in front of you and how you can change the way that you play it and make it sound improvised, even though it's not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Why do you think it's important for arts organizations such as Sopranos to engage with education work? Well, it's, it's an absolute imperative. We've got no right to exist if we don't do it. The work that we do as, as an arts organization, our, our, the main body of our work, our core work, um, has to include education. We, we do amazing main stage productions, but we've got to be developing our, firstly, developing our audiences, keeping, sh showing people what an amazing art form it is and, you know, giving people the opportunity to, to love opera in the same way that we do. But also, you know, we, we've got a commitment to our communities around us to bring opera and to bring what Opera North does to um, to those communities is really special. Would you tell us a bit more about this new role you've taken on? What do you want to achieve with it? What do you want to do? Well, I, start, I started it in September. Uh, I, I still play 100% in the orchestra of Opera North um, and I'm doing this other job as well. So it's... Uh, It's, a, it's an interesting uh, decision. I spend a lot of my day um, thinking about In Harmony Opera North, which is a project in which we teach around 2,000 children every week their core music lessons. And, and it's, um, it's an amazing first access for children who would never, ever, ever be able to um, access that kind of quality of music music education um, and that's really exciting and I love it. My aim with that and the thing I'd love to see is when I'm still here in 10 years time I'd like to think that maybe we could get somebody from for instance Richmond Hill Academy a primary school or Windmill Academy all the way to further education and doing music whether that's in Leeds um, university or Leeds Conservatoire or off to York to do university or Royal Northern College of Music. I'd love to see that progression of one of our children deciding to take it all the way to, um, to university. Because if we manage that, I'd like to think of it as a pyramid. If we manage that and, and at the top of the pyramid, there's that child and the substrata of provision that we have um, that we have provided must have affected hundreds and hundreds of children. And there'll be some people just below that person who have decided to not go on and do that, but they will have had an amazing musical experience and education, and it will have informed their entire lives. We also do um, various ensembles, which are absolutely amazing. So we have various academies for different instruments, um, Wind Academy, Brass Academy, Strings Academy. And then we've got this Opera North Youth Orchestra, which is for the age of about 18, 16 to 21. And it's for that's for sort of grade eight plus, really. And they're really special players. 
So we've got some provision for every age group. We've got some really great plans. There'll be a, a really tangible route for a primary school child to get all the way through to the end of college and still be part of our Opera North journey. Great. So if you had one piece of advice to give to a young player who might be interested in embarking in a career as a professional musician, what would that be? So um, for a teenager who's, who's in secondary school, who has just taken up an instrument or has, if you're a string player and you, you, you know, you're still, you're getting really good at it and you think you, you're just going to enjoy it and carry on. That's what I would say. Just enjoy it. Get into some ensembles, play with other people. Don't be stuck at home on your own, practicing to nothing. Um, go and play with people and meet some people and make it a social thing. Other than that, there's no tips. I would say for as much as, because if you enjoy it and if you go to ensembles, then you will practice anyway. Um, if you really want to do it, you will. Now for the, um, for somebody who's gone into college, well, you've got to be good enough to get there. So um, you, you will have been that person who really enjoys it and has um, done their grade eight, whatever, and um, done the audition and got into college and you're there now. And at that point, there's, two things that are really important. Firstly, again, enjoy it. <laughs> You've got this amazing opportunity to meet all these amazing people and uh, that you're all of a sudden put into a melting pot of um, artistic personalities that you wouldn't have had previously. Um, and to, to, to start drawing off those people and socialize with them and talk about music to them that's really important but then I'd also say and this is the really big one if you really want to be an instrumentalist you need to practice your instrument you need to sit with your instrument and it needs to be wedded to you you need to feel like it's an extension of your body you need to spend a lot of time with it now that's different for different instruments so if that was bassoon I'd say four hours a day for string instruments it would be hours more than that the piano the same hour is more than that and that's that's life it's dedication to it I, I thought you might also have some audition tips and also you know you, you mentioned that you've had quite a bit of rejection after college and how did you deal with that and how do you, did you keep your confidence up when you were getting all that rejection well I was really lucky because I had my wife who was there who always believed in me my advice is to understand that rejection is the is an enormous part of the process for most people there's not very many people who just walk straight out of college and get a job it seems like there's lots because actually they're the ones that you hear about most we sort of think that every oh yeah that person's got a job and oh that person's done it oh dear but i'm not it's not like that so but for auditions um it's about it's about preparation and getting yourself really really ready to perform perform that audition and also you know to to when you're performing that audition to be really true to yourself and to play in the way that is that is you don't try and be something else other than yourself show the panel exactly who you are rather than um, who you think they want to hear 
What is the hardest thing about being an orchestra musician? Oh, the hardest thing about being an, a, a freelance orchestral musician for me is was not knowing where my next paycheck was coming from and feeling like I had to say yes to everything. As a the hardest thing as an orchestral musician that that does the same job day in day out, I would say is is being ready and prepared to be as good every day as you are you know have a really consistent product basically of what you're doing yeah and I imagine there are days like where you are not feeling that well but you still need to have the energy to to perform yeah definitely but 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 luckily um because you've been given this job um and you're in a job you've got really supportive colleagues around you who understand when you're having an off day You don't get that as a freelancer. And what would you say is the best thing about being an orchestra musician? Oh, it's the music. I, I'm not that bothered about the bassoon. I love the bassoon. I think it's great. I love playing the bassoon. But I didn't take up the bassoon because I loved the instrument. I, it was in a cupboard. You know, I, 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 didn't, I didn't even know about the bassoon until I started playing it. The reason that I play the bassoon is because I love music. And the bassoon is merely my access point into orchestra, into opera. Um, if I didn't have that, um, I wouldn't be able to be here. For me, it's all about the music um, and what that music brings to me on a very selfish level. I love music because I love music. <laughs> I, 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 like, I like playing music for other people, um, of course, but actually more than anything, I like how it makes me feel. You've been listening to the Artistic Futures podcast with Adam McKenzie. Next time, I will be speaking to Syrian composer and canon player Maya Youssef. If you have any burning question for future guests or would like to suggest people you would like to meet, please email education at opranorth.co.uk. You can also find us on Twitter, search Opranorth Education. See you next time.